0: it's Ashes and welcome back to another episode of Simply Put. Um, Before I jump right into the recording that I have with Kathy, I want to acknowledge that there are some technical difficulties within this episode. Um, There were windstorms on my end and snowstorms on her end, so by the time we realized that this was likely going to be um a disconnection that was still happening or continuously going to happen we were already pretty deep into a type of discussion that the emotions were high and it was really important to both of us that those be conveyed genuinely so instead of deciding we were going to wrap up trying to record that night um and then just re-record on another date because there were emotions involved and because that was very much the point of of us doing it this way we wanted to to make sure that those were still genuine so there will be times where you will hear it cut and then the response will will come back with a little bit different emotion than what was left with and that's just because there were periods of between 45 seconds and 2 minutes while we were trying to reconnect with each other and within that time one of us have been able to collect ourselves a little bit differently and i could not find a way to edit it that that wasn't a problem and um and i wanted to be to be honest with that because it is going to be different than what you're used to this particular episode was recorded in nine different segments and most episodes that you hear at most are recorded in two and then i just put a commercial break in between to kind of bridge that gap a little bit Um, some of the segments were as short as a minute and a half and some of them were as long as 24 minutes so um the short one is obviously one that was recorded much earlier and that that transition was pretty easy but transitioning from a long one where our emotions high and one of us are trying to keep it together to one where they're then coming back and completely calm is especially something that I wanted to I wanted to address before we even got into it so without further ado let's hop in hello uh Kathy (laughs) why don't you introduce yourself
1: all right. My name is Kathy. I am thirty-two, almost thirty-three years old. I have a four-year-old. Well, she'll be five in eleven days. Named right. We call her D-Day, but she gets her full name if she's not listening. I'm a currently a jack of all trades at my job, which is kind of interesting.
0: Now I'm gonna I'm gonna transition a little bit into some of the harder things. Uh, as you should expect from me by now, and I will imagine there will be feels. Uh, But we'll talk about that later, because that's, like, right in my list of questions. (laughs) Like, I'm a parent, too, and raising a tiny tot is hard, even under the best circumstances. But right now, I want to talk a little bit about how raising Dee Dee is probably even more difficult for a lot of reasons. Not only is she just a biracial child, but she's also a white-passing biracial child, and you cannot tell me that she has a dad. Like, I know she has a dad. I know her dad. Like, we're cool. We're friends. We're buds. We've collabed before. But you could tell me that her dad was the palest person in the world, and I would still be like, no. You pulled some fuckery. That is (laughs) your kid and nobody else's kid. Nobody else's (laughs) genetics are in that at all
1: you know yeah. what kind true. of what shit did you pull
0: right um she is definitely your little clone and for those who have never seen pictures or whatever um it is not just she looks like me when she was a kid or looks like Kathy when she was a kid or oh you know I went through nine months of being pregnant only for them to come out and look like their dad like this is not that this is like
1: it looks like I I cloned myself it seriously does um Uh, and remember that every day of my life when I look at her it's like looking at you's like looking into a mirror especially definitely
0: uh have have it in for you because it's not just like oh you're growing up and your kid is parenting you you're you're growing up and like you're looking at yourself uh, talking shit to yourself and that's Mm -hmm. That's like a whole nother issue, but within um, her looking exactly like you, which means not only is she just super white passing, she's also a very white child. Um, And we've talked about some of the obstacles that come with that and some of them we haven't, but in terms of things that we haven't, um, have you thought about how you're gonna handle the conversations with her that will almost inevitably happen once she's showing pictures of Phil, Phil's her dad, Or um, when Phil starts going to daddy-daughter things with her in school, where it may change the way that parents of her peers, and because of that also her peers, because life sucks and parents are awful sometimes, the way that they treat her and the way that they treat you. I know that she's very, very white, and she's not just white passing, she's a little white kid, Um, but to some people, blood quantum still exists, and one drop is too many even if it's not visible, and especially if it's not like a distant relative.
1: The good thing is, is with the school she's in now, because she goes to preschool with my mom, is they have so many mixed background families. They have adopted families. They have, there are other biracial children. Some of them are a little bit less white passing than she is. Some of them are just as white passing as she is. They have so, but they, have you know, there's parents there that you know, mommy and daddy aren't together. There's parents there that it's mommy and mommy. There's parent, you know, there's parents from all different kinds of backgrounds. And despite the fact that she goes to school in one of the richest counties in the United States and actually the richest County in the state of Maryland, they're all very welcoming and they're all very, I don't know how to put it other than welcoming. They're all very understanding. And, you know, at this age now, I'm lucky, you know, because, the kids are just kids and, you know, oh, that's just my friend. Oh, that's just my friend, you know, in her classroom. They actually let the kids have pictures of their families up in their cubbies. So dee has got, of course, has pictures of me and Nana and uncle, and she's got pictures of everybody in her cubby. So everybody's already seen the family dynamic. They've already seen, you know, okay, that's mom, that's dad. Oh, okay. And it doesn't really seem to phase a lot of the parents now. Now, as she gets older, she moves her to the elementary school. It's going to be a lot different. They had a hard, I know they had a hard time at the elementary school with Austin because of Austin having alopecia and being bald. So mom had to explain every year what was going on with it because people would instantly think he had cancer. Mm-hmm. So I know I'm going to have to explain, you know, look, this is her dad. She just looks like me. My genes just run really, really wicked strong. You don't believe me? That's my mother that, you know, because Austin and my mom will inevitably be there because they're there for everything. You know, that's my mother. That's my brother. Tell me she doesn't look like the three of us. And with her, it'll be more of a, her eight, you know, an age appropriate level. Like right now it's, yes, she, you know, yes, you know, he's daddy, but you just look a lot like mommy and Nana and uncle because that's just how, Things happen to work was you just happen to look a lot like me nana and uncle because for the, even for the longest time with me and austin everybody thought austin was mine because of how much me and him look alike like you can you've seen pictures of my mom's side of the family oh, we yeah. all we it's insane we all those look are some down. strong genes like even you've even seen a couple pictures of my biological mother dd looks just like her she's got <laughs> the right name she because she's named after my mother but it's going to be more of a, you know, I'm going to have to explain it to her on her age level. Like, right right now, she understands it. You know, kids are little holy tears. Now, as she gets older, the explanation is going to have to be a little bit more in-depth. And I get that. I refuse to explain myself to any of the parents. They don't like it until they pay my bills. They can kiss it. That's that just how it is. a
0: fantastic outlook. But how are you going to explain to, to her the changes that will come once you encounter those parents and they then tell their kids that they can't be friends anymore or they can only be secret friends and not let
1: other people know. Then what I'm going to do and what I'm going to have to do is just tell her, look, if that's how your friends' parents feel, then maybe you guys shouldn't be friends. I know it hurts and I know that's not what you want, but I don't want anybody thinking it's okay to take advantage of you and it's okay to treat you any different just because of who your family is. They have no business treating you different just because of who your father is compared to the fact compared to who I am. They have no right to make you <clears throat> to make you guys as children have to play into their little games where, oh well, she's mixed. And does, has she hurt your child? Has she done anything wrong to your child? No? Well, then let them be kids. This world sucks enough. Let them be kids.
0: So is that saying that dealing with parental racism on like a peer-to-peer level with you means that they shouldn't have to deal with that because they're children? Am I misunderstanding you? And that at a certain age, when Dee becomes an adult, then that's something that's going to be her problem with the rest of the kids who are raised the way that those parents do? All
1: right. When I say let them be children, I mean, don't put your prejudices on them. Don't put how you feel on them. Don't, sit there and expect your child to act how you act just because that's how you were afraid you were raised i'm a very big believer in breaking generational curses breaking generational trauma breaking generational cycles it stops with me you know or in my case it stops with me and it stops with austin it stops with us that's it that's all i'm not okay. going to let my i'm not going to sit there and let my child be subjected to some of the same things that i similar things that i went to went through Especially being adopted. I'm not gonna let her go through similar things that Austin went through. I want her to be able to be a child and not have to necessarily, for lack of better terms, worry about some of the adult issues that you know I have to worry about. You know what? Let me let me worry about those for now. Yes, I will explain them as best as I can at your age level to you, but at the same time, I don't want you worrying about them. Go be a kid. Let me
0: just challenge you a little bit in the idea that racism and the discussion of racism is an adult problem because my child is just about two years younger than your child. And because she's not white passing, that is her life. And that is not something that she can just put off for somebody else to deal with because that's very truly a part of who she is. And my concern comes from a lot of what you're saying being very similar to the things that my mom said to me. Now, I'm not white passing at all, but I still got a lot of the emotional trauma and the mental trauma that comes from having a white parent who doesn't recognize that just because we want kids to be kids and interact as if they are kids doesn't mean that they're not hearing that. And with DD in particular, be- But because she's white passing, a lot of those things that people said around me when they didn't think that I could hear them, as opposed to when I was standing there, they're going to say in front of her because they may not realize that she's not this white kid. So then she's dealing with something and she doesn't have you to go to because of the way that you explain things to her. And she doesn't understand parts of herself and I know what that did to me leaving very big amounts of trauma to deal with and then change and you've seen since you met me versus the change now is when I've kind of been able to embrace that part of myself instead of doing everything that I could to lock that away so that I didn't have to um, be seen as black or as mixed to them and so that I didn't have to have those conversations with my mom where I'm trying to explain to her, hey, like, this is what was said. And well, you know, that's that's for adults to deal with. You don't have to deal with it. But I do because I'm hearing it and I'm confused or I'm hearing it and it hurts my feelings. And what I'm getting back is that's not my problem. But it is my problem and it will be Rue's problem.
1: And I didn't think about it that way. I think I have a harder time sometimes thinking about it the way that you see things because I don't necessarily deal with them. Like, I don't deal with them on a day-to-day basis like you do and like Rue will, which is I why think- it's great to have these kinds of conversations to where, you know, you push me, you you're, you push me. You're like, no, that's not exactly the best ways to go about it. And um, it makes me think. I
0: think that that's part of the reason why I'm able to have the platform that I do have is because I'm, I'm mixed and I do have a white mom that, that's very different than having a white dad. Um, I've talked about that before, like you have a, well, not you, but like I have a white mom who is all of four foot nine, who knows how to use every bit of the scariness that a four point, uh, that a four foot nine white woman has.
1: I remember Um, meeting your mother once, (laughs) and not many people in this universe scare me. Your mother was one of them. My great grandmother, who was the same stature as your mother, was the other one.
0: Yeah, uh, short people are, are scary. Um, but because I have that perspective and when I when I started this I mentioned specifically that it might be more difficult for Didi because she's so white passing and I mean that very much as in it may be more difficult for her to exist in this world than it will be for my daughter because, Rue and I are both pretty racially ambiguous. I mean, you remember the day that that woman accosted me at work about how I just had to be like Asian and Black because yep. um, I have slanty eyes. I um, remember
1: that because I remember turning around and looking at her and telling her to get the hell out of the library before I beat her ass.
0: so I remember like,
1: that. <laughs>
0: Part of a weird privilege that I don't really talk about a lot is being racially ambiguous. People don't really know what you are so it's more difficult to insult you. But a real detriment is being white passing in a situation where people don't know and you're young and you don't really have the words to express that. And because she's in such an open place now, it's going to be really, really difficult for her To kind of get used to what that changes may be when she moves to another school or when that finally does happen. And that's not saying that I hope that either one of our children go through that very early on, because I hope that neither of our kids have to go through that, but I know that that will happen.
1: Yeah, it's it's inevitable.
0: But for it being something that she doesn't really ever have to deal with to whatever time it is when she has to deal with it, people are going to say those things around her and not edit themselves at all because they don't realize that it affects her and then, then like, that's even worse
1: it's like my one friend's not allowed around her period end of story he likes to throw the n-word around he likes to make very off-color jokes and i say use the word and i use the word say the word jokes with the air quotes around it he's your typical definition of redneck white trash <clears throat> and yes that is showing some of my stereoty- my stereotyping but that's the only way i can think to describe it offhand aside from the fact that he's just not a good person to be around my child because of things that come out of his mouth that i don't want her asking me well mommy what's that what's the what's her and i because let me tell you the first time that word comes out of her mouth she's getting soap um. because that's one word that i don't hold with like the guys at work say it they say it jokingly to each other and i'm like guys no i understand it. you guys are cool saying it around each other but not while I'm here because I'm not comfortable with it. Like I I, I asked them not to do it because I'm not comfortable with it and then what happens if Dee comes to see me at work and she hears them all running around saying certain things?
0: So on but, that same note you had mentioned I, I couldn't quite hear whether you said like <laughs> it was a current friend or a past friend but because we've had conversations like this before I'm just going to continue on um, that you and Phil have both kind of committed to raising a tiny little anti-racist daughter but because she can so easily pass, and it's so easy for racists to be racist around her. How do you protect her from those family members and friends that I know you have, because we've talked about it before, with dangerous viewpoints that you still are struggling to, that you're still struggling to figure out your connection to them? And, and how are you gonna explain it to your tiny little anti-racist child, why you tolerate those things and the people that you love but you've taught her that those beliefs need to be pushed back against and good people don't
1: have them. Honestly, since you and I first started having these conversations, what two years ago now mm-hmm. I started cutting them off. Like even, even if it comes down to it and it means I have to cut off Austin and you know, that's going to kill me because I, I do MR in a heartbeat. I won't have it around her. Like one of the girls that I was friends with that was friends with that, you know, me, her, and Kersey were always together. And I'm going to try to get through this without crying my eyes out. Because we know that that's still kind of a sore subject. She had enough guts to go after a mutual friend of ours, a young lady named Micah. Because Micah was very, is very much, you know, part of the Black Lives Matter. She's very much about vaccines and making sure your children are up to date. And, she, and Micah's very, very loud and very proud about she's anti-racist she's anti-cop she's anti you know the shit that the bullshit that went on down at the capitol she's very you know she's very social justice very into social justice um micah is retired marine went through some shit in the marine corps and she's been working to try and get you know better rights for military personnel, especially female military personnel, especially black female military personnel because of what she's been, she dealt with. Well, Micah had up on her Facebook about, you know, I think it was after it was after everything initially happened with George Floyd, I want to say, but she had something up about how that whole situation was just bad. And, you know, Jenna started her whole, I don't see color. Oh and shit,
0: it's Jenna?
1: Yeah. Have you noticed she'll comment on my shit on Facebook and I don't say two goddamn words to her? I haven't noticed. Um, but like, well, yeah. I,
0: I I exist in a vacuum of like you and PJ and Phil and like our mutual friends. Uh, yeah. So much that I don't pay attention to anybody else. I'm like, who's that bitch? Oh, I don't know her. Okay.
1: But yeah, no, it was Jenna. But Aww. you know, she put up, I don't see color, I don't, you know, cops are humans too, da 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 da. And then let one of her friends, Kara, go after Micah, call Micah the N-word, call Micah all kinds of shit, threaten to have Micah beaten to death and whatnot. Aww. Didn't like it when I stepped in and said, Um, excuse me, miss. One, we don't play those games here. To take your heroin addicted ass back the fuck up to Carroll County where it belongs and don't make me deal with you. And then Jenna jumped down my throat and I sat there. was like, Jenna, you're not a safe person to be around my child. If you're not going to hold your friends to the same standard that you're supposed to hold yourself to, if you're not going to sit there and hold everybody around you accountable for their actions and for their words, the way you claim you do, you're not a safe person to be around my child yeah well yeah well nothing if you're going to seriously let someone threaten to beat micah to death based on her skin color you are not a safe person to be around my child my child is mixed yes just because she passes and just because it do- doesn't seem like it, it don't mean shit it does not mean a damn thing you are not safe to be around my child and i haven't talked to her since Lynette, no joke, she showed up to Kirstie's funeral. She came over to hug me, and I looked at her and said, get the hell away from me. Why? You're not a safe person to be around my child. I don't want you near me. Get away from me.
0: You can't see this right now, but I'm, like, tearing up and, like, smiling, um, because I know... <laughs> I'm, I'm probably going to cut some pieces of that out. Um, That's fine. because they're deeply personal, and... I want to make sure that I keep you safe as well the person who Kathy is describing and I've known Kathy since freshman year of college so 2008 the person that Kathy is describing is probably the only person who I heard Kathy talk about consistently uh, almost every single day that we talked and, yep and every single A lot of people are on my ass all the time about how my absolute boundary being the safety of my child and being her emotional well-being and being so much different than other people's because you and I are very similar in the sense of like bad vibes and that's it. Um, I will tolerate so much and then I get to the point where I'm not tolerating anything and there's not any amount of apologies that's going to change things. I still want that person or those people or whomever to to admit that they were wrong and to do what they can to fix themselves. But I
1: but do it over I, there. That,
0: that needs to happen, happen but, over there.
1: Yeah. But do whatever. I wish the best for you. I don't want any ill with no ill will, no nothing like that. I want you to work on yourself. I want you to make yourself better, but do what the fuck over there. Away yes. from me. Away from my child.
0: And to understand that, like, we have had so many conversations, even before Simply Ashes was a thing, about, like, how important that type of thing is and how important it is to have those boundaries and what safety looks like for mixed kids and Black children is very different than what safety looks like for white kids. And the definition even is very different. I can tell in the way that you're explaining things, your definition of safety is very different now than it was six years ago. Oh yeah and i'm really happy for that i know that um the amount of support that you have is is very different and we've had like a lot of discussions in regards to like safety and how to handle things and i have been an asshole pushing and pushing and pushing because now you have a child Um, it's not just you anymore but since you had dd you've kind of jumped into this world of learning about racism and you push yourself to face some really hard truths of things and you let me push really far and you've you've always had this intense version of like, our sense of like right and wrong. Um, and if anybody here is here from back when I was posting on Simply Ashes every week, the first post that I uh, posted called The Forgotten, there's a paragraph in there where I talk about one of my friends who sat outside the Dean's office in the cold um, from before the building opened so that the dean would have to walk through her in order to get in the building because she had something to say. She overheard something. She didn't think it was okay and she needed to be there to defend me because she overheard that like what had happened was like this big scheme. Like that was Kathy. So this whole idea of like this is right and this is wrong has always been an integral part of who you are. But you like stormed through levels of conscious competency and you took absolutely no prisoners like at all. Um, so can you talk a little bit about how you went from this problem exists, but it's too big for me to do anything about it to this problem is big, but we're going to do the damn thing. And if you're not here with me, you can be over there.
1: A lot of it started with when all the shit started going down at the school. Um, Cedar Crest was my home away from home in fact in a lot of ways Cedar Crest was home you know don't get me wrong I love Maryland I love where I love living here this is where I was born and all that but Cedar Crest and Allentown was home so to hear some of the stories coming out that I didn't necessarily see all of while I was there and to hear what was going on up there kind of blew my mind and made me stop and made me, you know, stop and think for a minute, like, okay, if this is going on now, who's to say this wasn't going on when I was there. And then, you know, the other girls started sharing their stories and it's like, huh. And then I started thinking back, you know, while I was at school, you know, me and a bunch of my friends sat down in the main lounge, la- the main lounge and Butts stoned off of our asses, had entire conversations, with several RAs, but because we were all white girls, nothing got said about it. Whereas, had it been you, or had it been some of your friend you know, and had it been yours, you know, even say Shan, you know, um, Shan that we're both friends with, that lives mm-hmm. down here, you know, if it had been her, it, it had been a totally different story. She'd ended up down, and she'd ended up down in security, you know, with, you know, either a possession charge or whatever all because she's black and we were white. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, well, this is bullshit. That's not how this works. That's not how any of this works. And that's why when, you know, you and the, you and Nick and you and Nicole and Antoinette and Lenny started Pledge for Our Best, I was like, I'm in. What do I do? What do we do to go about rectifying this? And part of the, a big part of the reason why I jumped to the whole, from, Okay, this problem is big, but there's nothing I can really do to do about it to, okay, this is big, but we're going to do something about this is I want to be a better example for day day. I want her to see that yes, things can things suck. Things are gonna suck. I want her to see that yes, there are problems in the world that may seem like they're too big for you, but there's there are things you can do on smaller levels that will change bigger outcomes. I want her to see that you can be an activist. You don't have to be, you know, one of the gung ho gung ho ones that you see on the TV all the time. You can be somebody who works behind the scenes and does this and does that and does this and does that. Oh, and by the way, did you hear that um, Cedar Crest lost scholarship m- money from the company I used to work for?
0: Uh, I didn't. Uh, I actually stepped down from Pledge Her Best when I found out I was pregnant and I like was super sick. And I haven't really talked about this, so I'm going to take a brief, like, sidewind. I left Pledge for Our Best in October. Officially, it was shortly after I found out I was pregnant. Shortly after Kathy Doordash me a pregnancy test, um, and I remember I was, sitting in that. <laughs> I was so sick. I was so sick. I'm still really sick. Um, there's talks about hospitalization for malnourishment. Um, It has been a struggle. And when that kind of thing first started happening, I didn't want excess stress because having lived through a miscarriage and feeling like it was my fault, even though it may not have been, um, I wanted to make sure that I did everything that I could to keep this pregnancy safe. So that meant if I could offload it, I did offload it. I stepped off of boards i pulled out on doing a collab in february that i was super excited for Um, i have refused to sign on to anything else or to reschedule that collab until after baby's here because i just want to be able to focus on being pregnant and being a, a mom to my tiny tot who never stops moving And I just didn't have the energy. I didn't have the emotional availability to deal with that. So that was something that I stepped back from. I actually posted that I was resigning on the Facebook page before I even talked to Tony and Lenny about it. We had just had a COVID scare. I was really sick and I kept telling them I'm really sick and I'm not getting better. And then finally, I just realized that this was just going to be a long-term thing for me. And they both respected it. They're both like, I hurt both of their feelings. And I understand that. I understand that maybe I should have talked to them first, but I also didn't have the emotional availability for that. So I didn't,
1: but you I had had, no, I yep. haven't,
0: I had to go, I had to do what was best for me, what I felt was best and safest for this pregnancy. So I hadn't heard that. And I am so fucking thankful because you worked really, really hard on making sure that that happened. You yep, came with receipts and you were like, this is a problem and we should not be putting our money there.
1: Yep. Um, I went to the girls because of the company I used to work the company I worked for Estes. We have a terminal in Allentown. Actually it's in Kutztown across from Kutztown university. And we do a giving campaign every year between Thanksgiving and Christmas. And Cedar Crest has always gotten the majority of Allentown's money. Always. I went to Jen. I went to their, you know, I went to Jen and Becky and their, their other os d clerk, and I went to, and actually, the guy I'm now seeing, Alex, is up there for a couple weeks, um, which that's an adventure in and of its own. Um, basically, we work together. He's never home. He's always traveling. It sucks. But anyway.
0: Good man. He went there, With my he- Alex.
1: <laughs> that's just weird. <laughs> but you know, he was going to the girls and he's like, hey, I need to let her know, you know, where's the money going this year? And they're like, oh, it's going to Cutsdown, all of it. Good. They straight up shanghai every single one of those drivers. They bullied the drivers into voting for Kutztown over Cedar Crest. Because First they off, were that's
0: great. Secondly, I'm confused about your use of the term shanghai It seems racist. I'm not sure that it
1: is. Um, oh, oh. Did not even think about that. I apologize.
0: It, it's it's okay. okay because if we're gonna make mistakes, we're gonna make mistakes here. Um, because I think that it's important that like everybody sits in their yeah. discomfort, and it's like my whole thing. We can talk about that later. But oh, like,
1: we did thought about that.
0: You definitely sat there and you're like, "What can I do?" And I and we were talking privately, and I was like, "I don't know. They like, they're not going to listen until it affects their bottom line." And you're like, "Well." i can i can help with that and then you did
1: like, i was like here hold my hold my wine and watch this um, and they also are not getting the uline money either
0: good
1: uline um, is a huge employer up there uline does a lot of donation and they do a lot of they donate money they donate um supplies and things like that up there um
0: right hold on a second for those of you who are listening who are wondering why we're rejoicing at this um, Cedar Crest has made steps to do better um, through individual sections and individual groups and that's great but until we can find a way to actually show progress at an admin level the only way that they're showing any interest is when it affects their bottom line That is not to say that we want Cedar Crest to fail. Kathy, I said earlier that Cedar Crest was her home away from home. I have talked about often um, that that was where I started to find myself and that that was my home away from home. And because I never went home, that was my home. Um, Mm -hmm. That was the place that I was really sad that I had chosen to come back home after I graduated. And it was a place that I ultimately had always seen myself going back to due to some of Pennsylvania's, like, recent legislation, that is not a place for me, um, but my heart hurt making the decision that I wasn't going to move back to Pennsylvania, to Allentown, to be closer to Cedar Grass, to work with them, um, to the point where, like, Tammy and I were looking for jobs for me, Um, because that was what I wanted to do and then their governor has gotten to some like dumb shit and I was like you know what I'm gonna stay in Michigan that is equally terrible but like I can get medical
1: governor got into some dumb shit what did I miss
0: um there was like a recent semi-recent uh talk about requiring a court document for miscarriages and having been through one and not even being able to imagine (laughs) having to go to a courthouse and defend the fact that you had a miscarriage and not an abortion even though they're classified as spontaneous abortions that is not for me and the fact that it was even proposed I'm just not
1: here for it that's that's sick that is absolutely disgusting
0: so my love for Cedar Crest is still there I desperately want them to do better and looking at some of the um the girls that we met the young women that um, I met while I've been there in March and in April, and that I've still kept in contact with, they are fantastic activists, and they are gonna go on and do fantastic things. And I hope beyond all that Cedar Crest gets it together so that they can be just as proud that their graduates are doing the things that these these girls are doing. and And I wanted to call them kids and I stopped myself because they're not <laughs> kids, they're very much adult women. Yeah. But, like, they're kids to me.
1: Yeah, um, it, I get the feeling, trust me.
0: That they're doing, and instead of it being, we're proud that we're graduating from Cedar Crest, it really should be, Cedar Crest should be proud to have yeah, graduates to there. of that caliber to go off and do the things that they've done. Um, I don't want to turn this into, like, a Cedar Crest love thing at all because it's a love-hate relationship, but there are There's so there, many yeah. really talented, really passionate women who have graduated from Cedar Crest, really passionate people who have graduated from Cedar Crest who go off to do fantastic things and are paving the way for the people behind them to do fantastic things. To hear that Cedar Crest doesn't have their back and understand that they don't as somebody who's experienced that is heartbreaking because nobody outside of Pennsylvania and New York and Maryland Um, know who Cedar Crest is but they know graduates of Cedar Crest and about those graduates talking about being graduates of Cedar Crest they would be no better than a community college yep I am like all in my emotions I'm having pregnancy emotions about this right now I'm ready to cry (laughs) like I am attached but to go back (laughs) to what we were talking about there have been a lot of instances including right here right now where I have pushed back in conversations where you may not have been expecting it or been ready for it. And then I continued to push back when you defend yourself. And I'm like, that is still a problem. This is not better. Your reasoning is still bad. And in the past, that's not the case. I would just kind of sit back in the basement of books or in the library and just let you kind of keep talking. And eventually you would realize that I was not talking back and you would either change the subject or we'd sit in silence until somebody else came around and then we were like a threesome or a foursome or like a however many people. I should have phrased that better, but I didn't, and that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> um, I knew what you meant. But can you talk a little bit about the change that that happened from your perspective and how that change has impacted our friendship? Because I'm not unaware that it's changed things. But I'm also fully aware that other people are going through this with their friends, especially now during quarantine, where people are finding themselves and finding their voices a little bit better. And it's really important to kind of talk about that as two people who have grown through that and successfully, I hope,
1: uh, come out on the other side. A lot of the changes first started for me when the Freddie Gray incident happened here. I had seen, at that point, I had seen the riots in Ferguson. I had done research on the LA riots after the Rodney King incident. I had heard of a bunch of other issues that had gone on around the country, but none of it ever seemed to touch my little corner of the world. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: The day of of the Freddie Gray riots, I was at work. I work right on the Baltimore City, Baltimore County line. I live on the Baltimore city, Baltimore County line, just the opposite end of my work. The riots were going on, not 10 blocks from my house. And I started sitting there and I started thinking about it, you know, and doing a little bit of my own research versus what I was hearing in the media about, you know, the extent of his injuries, why they even were after him that day and things of that nature and things didn't quite add up. Because you know me. If I question anything, I'm going to sit and I'm going to research it until I'm either satisfied or I can't find any other information.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Well, I was going through and I was researching and with the way his neck was broken, there's no way in hell that it was from the car ride. They did it when they knocked when they took him to the ground. His neck was already broken when they put him in the van. And then for them to rough ride him around. Something ain't hitting right. Like, why, why would you even do it? And then for the fact that, you know, after that happened, Detective Suter here was shot and killed and they try, everybody keeps <clears throat> the official story is it was a suicide. Bullshit. One of the girls at Austin grad- went to, went to school with. Well, okay. They went to the all girls Catholic. He went to the all boys Catholic. But they had mixers and whatnot. So one of the girls that he was friends with, her father was Detective Suter's partner. He had no reason to be suicidal. Yes, he was shot with his own gun. He didn't do it. So a lot of that led me to start researching what was going on in the world around me. And it started changing a lot of my viewpoints on certain things. Because you can remember when you first met me, I was very, very pro cop because of my grandfather. I've now come to realize that my grandfather was one of the few good ones.
0: You're literally talking to a Black activist with a degree in criminal justice. Like, there is shame attached to a lot of feelings that I have. Not that I was pro-cop, but I'm very much familiar with the criminal justice system. And I have feelings about that being my major.
1: Oh, yeah. You know, I was very, very pro-cop because of my grandfather. I've come to realize in recent years, he was one of the few good ones. You don't get many of those. Here and there. One, maybe one, maybe one per every 10 academy classes. You'll get. And, you know, not long after the Freddie Gray incident, I had Dolores. And I have this little itty bitty thing sitting in my lap. And I'm like, what the hell am I going to do? And it kind of, and a lot of it was your, so a lot of it also has to do with, you know, you, the fact that I had you to push me and challenge me and make me realize that I don't have to sit there and have a reaction right away. You know, yes, I'm always going to have that initial gut reaction, but that it's okay to do some research before I decide on something and that it's always a good thing to have my viewpoints challenged and sometimes they change, which a lot of my viewpoints on a lot of different things have changed over the years.
0: So specifically the the change in, in me becoming more vocal um, and our friendship still being able to be intact even though you are very um or were at the time like you understand nuance a little bit better now but like black and white and right versus wrong and there are no exceptions and there are no in-betweens and now from me going from somebody who is very passive to like okay I'm just not going to engage in conversation to let me tell you all the reasons why this is wrong because I imagine that that I don't imagine I know that that can be a deal breaker for a lot of friendships. And I've had friendships where I've finally decided I am not going to listen to you talk about this anymore. Like this is harmful, this is fucking insulting, like this is garbage. And me standing up, it's just like, oh, well, how dare you disagree with me or you just believe this now? Like, no bitch, I believed that six years ago, I was just too afraid to say something. And now I decided that I don't have to do this anymore. And our friendship was able to withstand that, whereas other people's don't. And since the pandemic, when everybody's finding themselves, a lot of people are having conversations <laughs> with their friends that they didn't expect to have. And all of a sudden, finding out their friends have problems with things that they say, or that their friends have like terrible takes on life, living through that confrontation where they can both learn. How were we able to withstand that? I remember the first time that it happened, you almost like, Visually stopped, and you weren't sure how to handle it, and I wasn't sure what was going to happen. I'm like, "This bitch is going to start yelling at me, and she's going to get in my face, and I'm going to cry." Um, <laughs> <laughs> and if
1: I remember correctly, I just kind of cocked my head sideways, so looked at you, and was like, "Let me go research that," and we went from there. You did, and we went from there.
0: You you absolutely did, and part of the reason why I wanted to have some of the conversations that we have together on like, I wanna say like a live recording, but this has been probably the most difficult thing to record because service sucks and weather is bad. Um, But I wanted people to sit in their discomfort and that's something that I talk a lot about, um, but I didn't know how to show that.
1: And And it's something that can make me do quite often.
0: We do it often. We (laughs) really do have these types of conversations um, I am also willing to sit and be uncomfortable because confrontation, in those senses, are also not not comfortable. You'll you'll hear at the beginning when I originally was just like, "Is this what you mean?" I was I was already uncomfortable. Confessing yeah. friends is uncomfortable, um, and when I asked if you were okay, if I sort of made an example of you, and if our friendship would make it through it, you agreed with like absolutely zero hesitation you didn't know what questions I would ask you just knew that it would be hard and that we would be having a conversation um as ourselves for a an undetermined amount of strangers and it would be hard it would be challenging and you did it anyway
1: what made you say yes the fact that it's you in all honesty and the fact that these conversations need to be had you are one of the few people in my life that can push me that I don't instantly shut down, that I don't instantly want to say, no, screw you and walk away. Um, Kirstie was one of the other ones. She could push me on anything. She could challenge me on anything. And I would sit and I would think for a minute before I, and before I said anything, before I opened my mouth, before I did anything, she, you know, you guys are two of the few people that could challenge my beliefs on things, challenge my viewpoints on things, challenge how i feel about things and it not necessarily change the relationship a whole lot because i respect you. I respect you. I respect what you what you're trying to do. I expect what you're trying to get across to the people and if there's any way i can help then i'm going to do it. I'm going to help.
0: I know And that's why I felt comfortable asking.
1: And when I had
0: the conversation with a lot of my white friends, like you are not a safe person for my child to be around. If you're not a safe person for my child to be around, you're not a safe person for me to be around. They're not safe people for me to be around anyway, but I'm an adult and I can make that choice because I'm responsible for another tiny human. um, I am the adult that will make that choice for her. And I'll make the choice for both of us. But the understanding that like, You don't get to bleed out on other people. And this is a conversation I have with my husband a lot. Um, You can deal or not deal with your problems growing up. And that is 100% your business. But we have a child now and you cannot bleed out on her. I cannot bleed out on her. I have worked my ass off in therapy for the last two years and overcoming my own internal biases and overcoming the trauma of growing up the way that I grew up so that I don't bleed all over her. And I then expect everybody around me to do the same thing. And that is an unpopular opinion. And when I then set that boundary in my home and with my family that they can't set in their home and in their family, whether it's like a cultural situation or they're just not ready to do that, it creates problems within our friendship. Eventually, it turns into a, I'm not going to do this. I am not willing to do this in that space. You have to be a safe person to be allowed in my home you have mm-hmm. to be a safe person to be allowed to interact with my child and because my level in my definition of safety is different they're like well I'm not hitting her and like I'm not doing this and I'm not, not doing that
1: that's not the only qualifier of safety you but have also
0: an accomplice to people who talk about how like black people are garbage and deserve to be shot all the, like the thought process is lacking
1: yeah um, yeah And to briefly go back to the whole, oh, I go back to my, you know, go back to see your parents and whatnot, even though it was a shitty situation. Do we not remember what happened with Austin's father? I do remember. Like, I'm the reason his ass ain't around. Like, no. And are you kidding me? Do you really think I would let him around my child?
0: No, but I'm also really um, interested to see how long it takes you to break Austin's heart.
1: What do you mean by break Austin's heart? Because
0: Austin has some beliefs now that are not safe for Dee Dee to hear or to be around. And while his belief system may be fine, the way that he describes those
1: and expresses those things are not fine. So this might be things that I'm not seeing because he hides certain things from me on social media that other people are saying. Which, in other words, means that me and him get to have a very uncomfortable conversation over the next couple of days.
0: You know that that is a possibility because it's something that you referenced earlier.
1: I'm sorry, so you're going
0: to you're going to break a lot of people's hearts
1: and. I her peace over everything. I know growing up safe over everything. I don't care if it breaks my own guy, if it brings it breaks my own heart, her peace, her Dede's peace, Dede's mental health, Dede's everything over anything else in the world. It's going to suck. It's going to hurt, and it may make for a very lonely existence for me. But if it means that she is safe, so be it.
0: And that's not to say that he's unsavable. Or that you guys can't have conversations to get him to a place when she explained to him that it really is a safety issue and that that is part of who she is. And that these are really confusing emotions for her to have growing up, especially because people forget. Uh, Austin forgets.
1: He does. And
0: that isn't
1: okay. The young lady that he's dating. Who he's been dating for over a year is native american and a lot of his views can be very very harmful to her too Thing, and that's not
0: saying that i don't like austin although i like him significantly less uh, than i did and i'm very disappointed in somebody who i've only met in passing but have watched grow up yeah um, like it hurts my heart and that's not my brother and and I don't have any sort of connection to him at all. And I doubt that he even remembers ever meeting me. But that's, there's that's a few going to kill people. Hmm?
1: There's a few of you guys from college that he remembers. Like, he remembers Sarah Doyle. Yes. He definitely remembers her because she used to come home with me. And for some reason, him and mom actually do remember you. I've never met your
0: mom. But you must talk about me a lot.
1: Yeah. And um, I think you did once at the library for like two seconds.
0: Maybe. But no, and and when I say, like, I've cut off my entire family, and the majority of Alex's, uh, right now his dad isn't even allowed in our house. I think that it's important to point out that doing that wasn't, in most cases, cutting off a lot of my family was real fucking easy. I was just waiting for everybody to die so I didn't have to see them again. But it's not without some heartache. It's not, in some cases, without some tears. But sometimes you have to do things that need to be done and i am not going to allow her to live through the experiences that i do that i have because people forget and people forget for me too like people in my family talk about things that they shouldn't because they forget that that includes me and that's not because i'm an exception by any means it's just because they work really hard to forget that i existed I heard a lot of conversations that I shouldn't. My grandfather would be on the phone with my aunt and uncle who are in a white supremacist church. And I've talked about that a lot recently in a sundown town. Uh, And that was a nightmare. But where he talks about, oh, these people just want handouts after talking about um, unemployment fraud or like whatever. While covering it up with well yeah they um the like we've treated these people badly for so long and now they've finally gotten smart enough to figure it out so of course they're going to be mad but at the same time if we allow them to get away with this they're going to think that they can have rights like it's fucking gross and i would just like peek my head and i'd be like who are you talking about and then they would hurry it's and cute. change the subject because they forgot yep. like how much has dd already heard how much has she already internalized and does she have the words to tell you those things and because she's white passing at what point is she going to be like well my uncle feels this way and so I feel this way and I can just distance myself from that part of who I am and that's not to say that I think that you're going to allow your child to become that type of person I'm just saying it's really fucking confusing when you're a kid
1: yeah and And like i stated earlier i guess me and him are gonna have to have a couple of really difficult conversations over the next few days because if there's shit that other people are in that other people are saying that i'm not and he's hiding it from me on purpose there's a problem I mean, and i'm not
0: friends with your brother on things so all i can see is little things that he's commented on from mutual friends of ours But if you are aware that his viewpoints are problematic and if I can say that some of the things that he's commented on and some of them admittedly are like articles um, that I just happened to come across. like You know that that's a conversation that needs to be coming, but you're running out of time to have that conversation with him in a way that can fix it before you break two people's
1: hearts. Well, that's why we're going to start having those conversations tomorrow morning before I drag my ass into work.
0: May I suggest that that's an after work conversation? Um, work works as well. Those, those conversations are usually pretty emotional on both ends and having to go deal with other people after having those conversations um, may not, be, I, I may not be the best idea.